gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 93, the review segment for Friday, October 30th, 2015. Uh, is it the year of our time, Lord Dr. Mitt Brown, or is it something else? What do you think, Patches? Well, um, it's probably a million other things by now. <laughs> I think there is a great website called Movie Timeline. I should look this oh, really? up. I didn't come prepared, but yeah, Movie Timeline has like every single thing that's ever happened in a movie. Uh, in the future or just like in time yeah like it'll go all the 10,000 BC you know that's on the movie timeline <laughs> um, but now I'm realizing I'm searching for it to get the correct information and when you search movie timeline in Google you get 2003's timeline that Michael Crichton shit oh, movie yeah. so they need better I'm absolutely no help here movietimeline.com oh wait the movie timeline it's the second option I'm an idiot oh. yeah the movie yeah, timeline has everything so today in movie history oh wait I should I should look ahead. We should ahead. have gotten a sponsorship from these people. <laughs> yeah. uh, I failed. I don't have today's date when people are actually listening to this, but when we're recording it earlier in the week, it is, let's see. Oh, Back to the Future is still happening in what? some really? other timeline. Yeah, oh. Sunday the 27th of October is, a th- it is happening in 1985 in Back to the Future. And I guess what? Sherlock Holmes and Watson are doing something in the 7% solution back in 1891. Anyway. Oh, so this is just, oh, so it's like on this day in movies, not necessarily the year. Correct, correct. So, I yes. see. In 1985, Back to the Future timeline, something is happening on the Sunday, on October 27th. Okay. See how all it right. works? And it goes I all the way back works. to 65 million BC with all the dino extinction movies. Well, uh, do you think that the events of Our Brain is Crisis will be added to this uh, movie timeline? I actually don't know. It's funny that you mention that. I don't know when this movie takes place i guess it kind of takes place in contemporary times and that's it's all we kind know of right now-ish yeah uh, i mean wait. it's based on a documentary about a real election but it's not i mean the you know the james carville role well i guess billy bob thornton is kind of the james carville role and uh sandra bullock is the other guy role but anyway that movie was made in 2005 so and yes that was about a 2002 election but this is completely Fiction. What is it actually about, Katie? Okay, I'm throwing so it to about you. These uh, American political operatives, specifically uh, one played by Sandra Bullock and then a kind of rival one played by Billy Bob Thornton, who are brought to help uh, not fix a Bolivian election, but kind of consult on it, like doing the work that uh, the James Carvels of the world would do for American candidates, but in this uh, Bolivian campaign. And there's these ensembles, or Sandra Bullock is kind of surrounded by this team of people, including Anthony Mackie and Zoe Kazan and Ann Dowd, who is awesome, like, boss role. And uh, it's just kind of like watching the dirty tricks and the, uh, you know, both drama and comedy that occur as these people are trying to win this election with actually, like, fairly high stakes. Like, there's a, uh, you know, the movie doesn't go too hard on the Bolivian politics because, you know, I don't really think that's the purpose of the movie, but you do get a sense of what it means for this country and then it ends and we can maybe talk about the ending on maybe a more serious note than it had been. Um, and what's the, what inspired our lightning round question this week is that the role that Sandra Bullock plays was originally written for a man because it's inspired by this character or this person from the original documentary. And she was basically like, I want a good role who will give me, who will rewrite something for me. And George Clooney was like, sure. George Clooney is producing this movie. So 
It's uh, it adds an interesting dynamic, especially to this rivalry she has with Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, it's directed by David Gordon Green, which is also fascinating because it's yet again a David Gordon Green movie you would not necessarily expect coming from the guy who made Pineapple Express or George Washington or anything else. Um, but I kind of liked all of those shaggy elements of this. I thought it gave it a good energy, made it a little bit unexpected, and I found it really enjoyable. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I mean, shaggy is definitely the right word. It's um, it's very. I, I I would lean more toward lax, I mm. guess, um, and that its shagginess uh, is a both flaw and an appeal in the film. I you know uh, I walked out thinking I was talking to our colleague Jordan Hoffman when we saw this movie. And we both kind of thought of MASH during this movie mm. um, or some of these other anti-war films from the 1970s. I think, you know, a lot of the movies that come to my mind are Kelly's Heroes and Catch-22 or something like that. Um, more war films, even though this is not. This is a political, you know, this is like Ides so of March, I guess. They might that politics, oh God, don't compare this to Ides Well, of it's March. not like, Ides of March is very serious and stiff. Um, and this is more like Kelly's Heroes where it's this rambling story, this group of uh, somewhat zany characters. You know, um, Sandra Bullock plays Calamity Jane is her nickname, Jane. (laughs) Um, And she is rambunctious. She's ferocious. She will sit in the back of the room kind of drunk or on painkillers or something. She's she's a hot mess until she absolutely needs to come to the surface and tell everyone what to do. Bark. She barks and she bites. She's It's mm. a great character. Um, and she does a fantastic job playing it. She's a very diverse actress. She gets to be comedic. There's a little miscongeniality in there, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but, you know, she can be in these really serious moments where it's life or death or the... the the balance of this country hangs on a, a one decision or one gesture or one foul play move. Um, she's a great character, but her, her ensemble is also kind of wacky. Uh, Anthony Mackie's kind of the straight man. He's, you know, a re- he's kind of like Jane. If he, if, if uh, he didn't have the balls of Jane, basically, uh, <laughs> which I guess <laughs> now no, that's a sexist thing to say. No, how about the guts? Yeah, the guts. So we need. Yeah, I need to replace that in the my audacity. vernacular. Exactly, exactly. And then there's Anne Dowd uh, from The Leftovers, and she she plays. She's actually kind of the slimiest of them all. She's like a nice old lady, but she plays the dirtiest, or she needs. She knows what needs to be done in certain cases. They recruit Jane for this. Yeah, they like go pull her out of retirement where she's got this like peaceful life. I and mean, they talk a lot about like the stress that a career like this has on you and how. Sandra Pollock has basically like barely escaped with her sanity, and Anne Dowd is the one who's like, nope, we're pulling you back in. Yeah, and I think they do a really good job of building a foundation of what's going on in Jane's life and her career. She's had some huge missteps in the past. They're not, you know, we don't dwell on them, but her and Billy Bob Thornton, her rival, they have these playful scenes where all this gets dredged up and thrown in the face. It's lots of mudslinging in this in this movie, and it's and it's vicious, too. But Anne Dowd is definitely the slimiest. And then you have, like, Scoop McNary and Zoe Kazan. They're just wacky characters. Like <laughs> Scoot McNary is an idiot who I can't remember exactly what he's doing on the political campaign, but he is a by the numbers guy, and he's like driving a bus. I don't know. He's wacky. I didn't know he could play wacky, but he can. And Zoe Kazan plays like the femme fatale of the group for some well, reason. I mean, she's like she's a spy. Well, and she's kind of like the, she's also really ruthless. She's she the Kalinda from Good Wife of this and group. She, she comes in and everyone sees her as this like little girl 
who and then she kind of uses that to her advantage to get shit done which i thought was pretty funny yeah and so this this uh, band of brothers, uh, political brothers. They they are traveling around Bolivia with this candidate, uh, Castillo, I believe is his name, and he does not get politics. He just wants to be himself, and they're showing him what it takes to really be a candidate. I actually believe he was. He was uh, previously president. I think. Yes, he was previously president. He got oust, outed and or ousted, and um, now he's trying to make a campaign back into the election and. Uh, He's a, he's a mess, and so they go on a big adventure around Bolivia, and it's beautiful, too. Um, you know, this is, I think, David Gordon Green has an interest in the politics and the dynamics of this group, but he also just wants to take a camera around Bolivia. I think, I mean, they must have shot it somewhere in South America, because it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, race. it's just a, yeah, there's a bus race in the middle of it. It's a very weird tone, because it can get, like, deadly serious, uh, or there can be... There, somehow David Gordon Green works a Pineapple Express like smoking pot and doing drugs and stuff and partying montage into this um, <laughs> and it totally works because Sandra Bullock befriends these two Bolivian kids and uh, one of them's working on the campaign and they're just like we got a party we're doing so well and I don't know how he stuffs this movie full full of ideas and full of tones uh, and mostly it works but it, it gets a little too shaggy it doesn't have one strong direction but and i don't know i don't know how to i I can't totally recommend it i'm not head over heels for this movie but the shagginess is part of its appeal i don't know what do you think yeah i mean what i like about that is that it doesn't feel like anything else it doesn't feel like ides of march and that it has to like go be desperately cynical about politics like i think you get that cynicism in watching this life that she's left behind and kind of watching her you know occasional flashes of conscience and thinking like what am i doing this for like the dirty tricks are really fun to watch but i don't think you lose sight of the fact that it's kind of anti-democratic to run a campaign that way and i think i mean i think it ends as i mentioned before kind of on a heavier note that sits a little strangely because it, it feels like it didn't have an ending otherwise but it does a really good job of balancing those things because politics is ridiculous but is also the most important thing in the world and i can't think of a better way to represent that than with this kind of crazy band of really smart people who are going to do whatever it takes to win and like maybe that's for good reasons and maybe not but do you think it's saying enough about politics like is it revealing anything is it hmm. finding new nuance in in how the political machinations of of campaigns or what it takes to become a leader of a country um the lies that tell you tell the sacrifices you make i mean all of that is there but you kind of get it already like you said this is not going deep into bolivian politics but it's almost kind of the drawback right like why isn't it just taking place in america if that's the parallel it wants to draw or is it saying something else about the world yeah i don't know that it's saying a lot about bolivia i think it's more about politics kind of on a macro level and like what i didn't know i mean i think you're right that it's not saying anything really big about leadership and certainly about what it takes to be a president but i think the uh, the toll that it takes on you to be one of these political operatives and not just being like oh they're all slimy and they'll do anything for a vote but like a real like human look at that like the relationship that sandra bullock and billy bob thornton have is like both seems terrible and kind of appealing. They've got this like fascinating respect for each other. Right. They and, used to work together, I think. Yeah. And yeah, there's just like all these layers in history there that I think the movie does a really good job of teasing out that makes me think about the people behind these campaigns in a way that I had not before. And I think the Bolivian setting, both, you know, being part of the documentary, kind of allows you to do it in a microcosm. Like there's not 
it's not the huge system that we're familiar with. Like it's kind of a nascent version of that and they can kind of do it on a smaller scale and tell a more compact story that way. I just wanted it to be maybe a little bouncier and a little less clownish. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think a movie we both really like is Duplicity. Yeah. Right? And that, that has great espionage and the kind of uh, golden age banter and romance. Not ro- Well, maybe not. Well, for it's duplicity, romance. it's romance. But in our brand is crisis. It's it's not. But it's kind of playful fighting. And I love Sandra Bullock and Billy Bob Thornton in this movie. And I wanted more of that. Like there isn't. They have one off fights. There's a bit of a rivalry. It gets physical, as in the violence between them kind of gets physical. They prank each other and that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, again, there's too much other stuff happening in this movie. It's kind of swinging back and forth like a pendulum the whole time. There's no one direction. It's not really about mm-hmm. anything. But that's it seems designed to be that way. It's But I think, yeah, I think if they had taken it too lightly, it would have, you know, the elements of colonialism that are here, of like all these Americans coming down to South America to tell people what to do, I don't think... I think if it had overlooked that, that would have been a mistake, too. I think the balance of tones is really the only way to tell this story. Right. There is a really good scene where Sandra Bullock walks some of the neighborhoods. She finally gets out of this campaign office where she can run the whole country in a bubble. Um, and she sees Bolivia. This is before the end of the movie. This is kind of midway through. Mm-hmm. And she starts understanding people. Um, and she, she reckons with it all. And I do like those moments. I think... I guess it's just too stuck to the reality uh, that it's that's drawing from this documentary, uh, that that mm. it has to go to a certain end point, or she has to stick to her guns. Like, there's no I don't I love her character, but I don't love her arc. I don't really yeah. get it. I don't know what she's fighting with and learning and understanding throughout the movie because she really wants her candidate to win. That's her goal. And she doesn't necessarily stick to that throughout the whole movie. It seems to be a little like Hollywood interference there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you that the the character arc isn't changing as much and maybe that's part of, you know, being inspired by a documentary where you're not going to get the same kind of satisfying character arc that you would in a... Uh, in a narrative movie and they're kind of trying to tack that on there. But I like spending time with her. I liked getting to know someone like that. I feel like I did know her by the end of that movie, even if what happens to her in the end doesn't sit with that as much. Now we, we saw this movie back at Toronto and I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about it for some reason. It's not really on anyone's radar. And when we saw it, we thought maybe Sandra Bullock could like rise above and this would be a much discussed performance from her because it might be one of her best. I don't know what you think about her specifically. I mean, I think you can in I the think grand she, canon. I think she could easily still get an Oscar nomination for this if that's what we're talking about. That's I'm not I'm not necessarily okay. talking about the Oscars. I'm just talking about like Sandra Bullock, you know, our lightning round question was we just want to see Sandra Bullock in lots of other movies. Like what is her appeal? Why does this play to her strengths? Like what is she as a as a performer? I'm like always back and forth on her. I don't automatically buy into her just being great. Um hmm. as uh, I think a lot of people do. Like, oh, we just want to see her. She has such a range and she can do no wrong. No, I don't but think like, range is really her thing, but I think she does strength and vulnerability really well. Like that was a really key part of gravity is that you believed she could survive, but you also believe she'd be scared to death the entire time. And those two things didn't drown each other out. Like it made you feel for her more than just being like, Oh, just come on, get on with it. Just get it done. 
And our brain with crisis does that really well. I mean, miscongeniality does that. Speed does that. That to me is the is the Sandra Bullock brand. And not as not that many people do that as well. Not many people strike that balance as well as she does. Yeah, I guess. Especially women. What's interesting is maybe our brand as crisis feels a little familiar because I've seen characters who are really down on their dumps and pill popping and just a complete mess, but they're really skilled. And if they can kind of overcome their personal odds, they can be completely on fire and they can just dominate. And it feels familiar because I've seen a lot of men play mm-hmm. that part and not a mm-hmm. lot of women but she doesn't make me think about the kind of gender issue at all like it's it's a genderless performance she's just commanding in the movie so it almost feels a little kind of like been there done that i don't know if it feels genderless because i think the relationship she has with billy bob thornton and zoe kazan and Anne dowd like the presence of women in this movie is really like you don't see dynamics like that among women in movies like this at all i'm kind of pra- i'm praising its genderlessness yeah, but I don't think it's as prevalent as you... I think her gender is more of a part of it than you're saying. Like, it's not about her gender, which I think says more about the kind of roles women usually get to play. Like, right. I think, it's as much, I think it's as much about her gender as it would be if it were George Clooney in the role. But I think her gender contributes to a lot of it, which is fascinating. Yeah, it is interesting. Same in Gravity, too. It's interesting having her rival be a man. Like, if it was George Clooney and Billy Bob Thornton it would be totally different because there is like a weird romantic edge, which is written Mm -hmm. into the script. Like they kind of play about hooking up or whatever. Um, And that's, that's kind of weird and unsettling at times. Um, You know, it's all mind games, right? It's really using everything that a person might fear about themselves or indulge. And I don't know. It is interesting. It just felt like we, we've, this role has come so far that it's not, it's not doing anything. Hmm. Extraordinary. I don't know. It's very strange. It's very strange. I I think it's successful because of that, and yet it's a knock at the movie. I think the fact that she got this role for herself at all is a really interesting part of this story, and I think it's been inspiring to people. Just like that, if you're an A list actress, you can be like, So give me a role that's meant for a man. Let me have it. She does show her butt in the movie. It's a butt double. What? Oh, uh, yeah. They talked about that at Toronto. I didn't realize. Wow. But that's what happens when you're an A-lister. You get a butt double. Why do you need a butt double? I don't know. She d- doesn't have to show her butt. Everyone, so she's not going everyone to. Everyone would show their butt. I would show my butt. It's important that it's not a butt shown in a sexual context. It is a, it's a mooning. Yeah. <laughs> a full moon <laughs> rises. A full moon. What's not to like about this movie? Sandra Bullock moons people out of a bus. I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, why Why was I kind of... I was just lukewarm on this movie. I mean, I liked it. I liked it. But it's not... It doesn't have uh, the energy of that character running through its veins. Hmm. It's not pulsating like this character is. And yet, it's totally intentional. It's really supposed to be shaggy like these 70 movies. But um, if you if you don't have the time or if you don't have the attention span to watch a movie like M.A.S.H., then you probably are not going to like this movie. But I don't think it's as long as M.A.S.H. No? M.A.S.H. Well, is only a... Long as- M.A.S.H. is two hours long. How, old, how long do you think our brand is crisis is? I don't know. I think they're... Well, oh, I'm it's looking now. It's not as long as the TV series. <laughs> That's How's that? true. That is true. Uh, so our brand is Crisis. It's, yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. I really... Um, I'm kind of pulling for it as... A, I, I think I like it as an underdog in a fall movie season. So I, I'm going to keep pulling for it. Acerquense, hermanos, donde quiera que estén. Hay que ver lo que el mar... Rodando TV 
Aguas siguen creciendo, forman inundación Y te hundes si no empiezas nadando Y te ahogas ahí mismo Una piedra en el mar Los tiempos van cambiando Before we get into your answers to our lightning round question, Pachos, will you just tell me about love? Yeah. Oh, love? Well, What it's an abstract. Love? It's uh, something we should all feel, but maybe don't. <laughs> uh, no, wait. You're, you're talking about Gaspar Noe's new film, Love. Will it teach me what true love is? It will try to understand what true love is. <laughs> love is a very weird movie. I mean, if you've seen Gaspar Noe's other films, most recently Enter the Void... Uh, irreversible uh, I stand alone these these films they're all he's a provocateur and he continues his trend there is I, I'm still working this film out I saw it only a few days ago and there are some like kind of universe cross-cutting with enter the void and love that I'm trying to wrap my mind around and I, I'm not fully there yet so I apologize we'll get there maybe we'll have to rediscuss this film wait we, we talked to David before the Uh, podcast earlier this week, and he had seen half of Love so far. Am I supposed to reveal that? I don't know. But he's he'll, he'll finish the film eventually. Maybe we'll talk at greater length. But yeah, so Gaspar Noe's Love is... it's It's been making headlines uh, since Cannes because, hey, it's about sex, and they use real people having sex in this movie. And there is a lot of sex. The first shot is a man and a woman. The woman is given a hand job. The, uh, the man is doing a little finger banging, and uh, it's, it goes on for like three minutes, and it's just this locked-off shot of the two of them pleasuring themselves. And um, there's a lot more of that. They, you know, this, this main character, Murphy, is an American living in Paris, and his girlfriend, Electra, is the love of his life. Uh, unfortunately, when we pick up with him, he is um, not in a relationship with her anymore. He's actually the... the Uh, baby papa of uh, is that a term people people use? Baby daddy. Baby daddy. Baby <laughs> well, I was thinking papa. baby mama, and I should be saying baby papa. There was a big you, deal about that is the whitest you ever saw <laughs> on the show. Okay, fine. He is the father of a child um, with his next door neighbor. It was all an accident, but he longs for Electra, the one true love of his life, and he's kind of. Uh, through drug use, actually, going back through his memories and mostly of having sex with her, all of their sexual encounters and how that really uh, binded them in the past. Uh, and it's it's peculiar because this guy is not nice. He's, he's kind of a scumbag, um, and he's just driven completely by sex. But, of course, he's a filmmaker, He, uh, mm -hmm. and, and there's some connections to Gaspar Noe here that I have yet to figure out. I hope to. I'm, I'm speaking to him this week, so hopefully there's some interview with, between me and him uh, on the internet somewhere where people can read me trying to figure out this film through him. But, um, yeah, the, uh, different points. You know, Murphy, the main character, is a film director. He, he dreams of naming his future son Gaspar. There's, a, there's <laughs> another character of the film named Noe. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, wow. Yeah, it's very weird. And then, like I mentioned, there's connections to Enter the void there in the enter the void there's a love hotel and for some reason this man in the the star of love has models of this hotel in his house so i'm not exactly sure 
how to connect a lot of those dots. But at some point, he bl- this character blatantly states that he wants to make films that are like sex, cum, and blood. And like that's what real film is. And he admires pornography because they're just putting it out there and they're like doing it for real. Everything's real. And he wants to make a film that's about the sentimentality of sex, you know. The most important thing in the world is love, and the second most important thing in the world is sex. And if you combine them, that's like the greatest thing in the whole world. And that's his philosophy. And he keeps like having these weird, fucked up sexual moments between him and his girlfriend and lots of other women. And there's a lot of sex. Lots of sex. (laughs) I mean, so this film's in 3D. And now there's not a whole lot of 3D come at you moments. Uh, Gaspar Noe once again continues the trend from Enter the Void and has a camera. There's a shot from inside a vagina where the the, the penis is coming at you. Um, and the one I can't believe you can even tell. Like, how is there enough lighting for you to be able to tell what the, that's? What well, I don't think it's. Re- I think they're using a special effect there. That might be an actual simulated sex. Um, well, maybe you can put a camera up there. I don't know. But the one real 3D moment is. His girlfriend is giving him a hand job again, and he he ejaculates, and it kind no. of comes out at Aww. at the screen a little bit, not like like explosive off the screen, but just like the uh. way that Gaspar Noah can play with that 3D, the levels, the dimensions is really kind of interesting, and he does it in many uh, ways that are not that are not sexual. You know, this house that they're staying in, lots of rooms and layers, and him feeling constrained, and that's really interesting. And there's a lot going on in this movie. It's a little repetitive. It's a little flaccid, if you will, mm. um, but it's it's peculiar and it's it's interesting. And the, and having unsimulated, I guess you'd put it, real sex does add something to do it it's really intense and it's really it's like Gaspar Noe saw the the middle six minutes of blue is the warmest color and was like that was such a raw experience for so many people what how would it unsettle them to see this extended over many 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 minutes uh and it's an experiment and I think it kind of works uh how sex knocks us out how sex uh, mesmerizes us how sex doesn't make any sense to us even though we've had it so many times maybe um, <laughs> so love uh, it's not probably coming to a theater near you it's coming to a few theaters this weekend but uh, what did I leave out Are, do you know anything about this film that you want to know oh, I, God, I revealed I mean, much You, yeah well I feel like you revealed a lot I don't know but it's uh, any movie that's being sold on like it's endless sex scenes generally doesn't really have the story to back it up that's a rare thing like Lust Caution is the only one I can think of off the top of my head that really uh, matches it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem super like my thing. I guess I'm inter- interested. It's not. It it's not filled with story. I won't. I will say it's a lot of like sitting around thinking about emotions and how he's longing for her, but also how we're kind of judging him for all these feelings that he's having and this lust that he cannot uh, quell. But he's kind of a bastard. So it's it's a difficult movie for sure. I guess there's an interesting question to ask about putting sex into a non-porn film in a, de- in a time when porn is so widely available and what the point is. So It's artful. Uh, you know, it's it's quite beautiful in the way everything's lit and especially with the more erotic moments. Uh, there, there's there's composition there. There's intention. There's choice. You know, I, I don't know. There's, there's serious art going on in this movie. Um, but it might be kind of blurred by the extravagance of everything he's he's dared to do is it a poem ah an erotic poem is there a specific (coughs) word for that like pablo neruda (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) well 
love is an option to see this weekend, as is uh, our brand is Crisis. Um, or maybe you could see one of these movies that we fantasy cast with this week's lightning round question. Which is, it? yes, uh, in honor of our Brandis Crisis, what movie role that was played by a man should be played by Sandra Bullock? This, uh, this was a fun question because we got a lot of really good answers. I'm going to go with our friend Joe Reed, who says, I want Jaws with Sandra Bullock and any of the three lead roles, and I kind of want it now. And I want it with Quint. I, think, I feel like I'm speaking for a lot of people. I want it see. with the shark. <laughs> That's not. I don't think that is one of the available roles, but sure. Kind of a, a I think, Brechtian I think, thing, or where I she. I think would... that's a waste of her talents. Shark doesn't pretending talk. to be a he shark. Barely moves. Shark barely moves. I don't Shark's know. like never seen. Well, she doesn't want to like spoil it all, so she only comes out of the water at certain points. <laughs> so you're watching a remake of Jaws. You it's don't kind of going to be like Sandra Judy Bullock Dench. Judy Dench being nominated for an Oscar for only like five <laughs> minutes worth of actual yeah, screen the, time. Yeah, uh, the Spielberg fanatics of the world are going to take this really well. Um, I, I'm going to say uh, at Catherine O'Ri- A. O'Ryan, who said uh, Jack Lemon in the apartment with Kate Blanchett as Shirley MacLaine. I think that's just Carol. Actually, I don't think that's what Carol is about at all. What? That's kind of what Carol is. Carol has literally nothing in common with the apartment. I love the apartment. I like Carol. But I don't think they have anything in common. Okay. Well, then what? Kate Blanchett. I don't know if can or uh, Sandra Bullock. Can she do Jack Lemon? She's so strong. She's so confident. I don't know if she's ever really played weak it's like true that. it would be very interesting to see her being as insecure as jack lemon is in the apartment didn't she do some rom-com where she was kind of she had to be made over or she had to learn the ways of sophisticated see the one people she made with hugh grant like 28 days or no, no wait that's the one she, where two, she went two weeks to, two weeks notice oh yeah 28 28 days when she, she goes, goes to rehab. rehab right 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 what, wow. what was forces of nature that was the ben affleck oh. one. Oh, that one she's like a manic pixie dream girl oh god yeah, they uh, they have like a road trip to Savannah, and he's supposed to be getting married, and she breaks up his marriage. Actually, in Speed, she's kind of insecure. She's yeah, like that's true. Worried that about before- driving a bus, but I guess we're all there. <laughs> that was before she was. Yeah, With could her. you drive a bus? No, yeah. Do you th- could you drive a bus? No, definitely not. Well, we're all dead. <laughs> Too bad Dennis Hopper planted a bomb on this podcast. Ah, we have to talk at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> no. This podcast blows up. Anyway. Uh, let's end it before disaster strikes. Yes, please. Uh, that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We will be back next week. We'll be how ha- No, it'll be past Halloween. <laughs> my date straight. Spooky. <laughs> Maybe we'll have Dave just review Goosebumps again. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, that's scary. So we'll do something other than that. Uh, in the meantime, who are you, Patches? I am Matt Patches. I am senior editor at Esquire.com, and I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And I'm Katie Rich. I am at VanityFair.com, and on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.